We're here today with uh, Jerry Vietz and Sylvain Bouchard from Unibrew. Um, we're here to chat about uh, one of Canada's most famous breweries, one of the breweries that I grew up with and still to this day adore. So uh, it's really great to have you guys here. Good morning. Um, welcome to the show. Good morning, guys. Yeah. Um, I thought I'd start by uh, asking you guys to just uh, introduce yourselves and, uh, and talk about what you do with the brewery. Oh, to start with uh, myself, Jerry Vietz. I'm uh, the brewmaster at Unibrew, and I joined Unibrew in 2003, always in charge of brewing operation. If I would like to uh, put it in one sentence, you know, I'm the guy that makes sure that the yeast is happy and keep uh, just preserving the uh, the magic behind all these liquid and perpetuating the magic uh, through the uh, new beers as well. Nice. Sylvain Bouchard, I worked for Unibrew for the last uh, 14 years. I started in 2001. Uh, I was on the uh, sales team, but for the last seven years, I'm the uh, Unibrew beer sommelier and uh, kind of a beer ambassador. So mm -hmm. mainly, uh, I'm the beer expert in in the company. And well, Jerry is a beer expert also. But mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, my role is really to meet people, do uh, uh, public relation, uh, works with chef and restaurant to build nice uh, menu for beer and food pairing, uh, doing some uh, education on TV show, radio, all across uh, Quebec. And um, yeah, I'm uh, the guy paid to drink and eat. <laughs> that sounds like a fantastic <laughs> job. It is. <laughs> um, so why don't we talk about the beers? So um, I've been a fan for forever. I started, I got into Unibrew when I was in university when there wasn't a whole lot in the craft beer scene. Um, I would go to the beer store and I would get six packs of Modites and the, the tall bottles that I could get at the LCBO back then. They were only four ninety five, dollars <laughs> um, And uh, I've, I've uh, been a big fan of the beers for years. Uh, do you want to just talk about the some of the beers that you've got for those that may not have been, uh, may not be as familiar as I am with, uh, with your lineup? Yeah. Um, the short story uh, will be, you know, we, uh, when we opened the brewery back in 91, we wanted to offer um, the, the customer here on this side of the planet in Americas a, uh, a flavorful beer um, brewed upon the uh, European ancestral methods. You know, mm -hmm. so uh, we brew beer like we make champagne. We use the champagne method. So our beers are not pasteurized. Uh, we inject a precise amount of yeast and uh, priming sugar in the liquid uh, right before bottling. So it's flat when it's bottled. And then we store in warm room for a week, just like they do with champagne, to allow natural carbonation to occur in the liquid. This having been said, what you obtain at the end is you get a liquid that is uh, fresh, uh, that uh, also act, the yeast act as an oxygen scavenging, and the beer will age very well because the beer won't get oxidized very easily as the forest carbonated beer. So the shelf life is very impressive. Not only the beer will age well, but will also gain complexity through aging and develop way more uh, complexity mm -hmm. over the time. So the shelf life vary between two years and 15 years for these beers. All depends on how you cellar the beer, obviously. But um, that's how we started. We wanted to offer something uh, new, a very tasteful, tasteful product. Very often we uh, approach people that love wine and not that much, and they're not that much into beer, mm -hmm. and they discover these beers, and then it opens their eyes to many other beers because now on the market we have 
tons of these products that are developed. Uh, the craft brewery is blooming like, mm-hmm. uh, incredibly over the past years. So uh, we're really proud to be pioneers and okay. uh, started that trend uh, over 20 years ago. 25 almost now. When we uh, first brewed our beer, uh, there was an hole in the offers in Canada and even in the States. Uh, most of the craft breweries were producing English ales mm-hmm. uh, or German lager. Uh, same for the big guy, Molson, Labatt, and Sleeman. Yep. And Unibrew became the first ever uh, brewery in North America to brew Belgian-style ales. So Blanche de Chambly, when we released it in 1992, was the first ever Belgian beer brewed in North America. Mm-hmm. So... As Jerry just said, it opened the eyes to a totally, total new um, group of drinkers, people that were not too much into regular beer, I mean, lager and ales, and they discovered plenty flavor, nice carbonation through Unibrew. Mm-hmm. And when we released uh, the same year, at the end of 92, when we released Mozit, uh, it was the first ever strong beer in Canada because uh, federal law prohibit in 1992 beer with more than 5.9 alcohol per volume. Uh, there was only Brador, still brewed by Molson, yep. uh, uh, O'Keefe, extra old stock, but there were not beer. There were uh, malt, malt liquors, liquor yeah. because yeah. they were not legally able to proclaim those as a beer. Mm-hmm. So with Mozet, it was the first time Canadian drinkers were able to find a strong beer. And as you said earlier, uh, you back days, you've, you taste those beer and it, was, it amazed you because it was the first time probably you had that kind of liquid flavorful and strong and you uh, don't even taste the alcohol at the end it's yeah. so well balanced so that's what people got used as something strong it's got to be strong you know it's like oh you taste the alcohol and people are always surprised you know most very often people are asking about the abv but i don't want i don't like to mention the abv before yeah. they taste the beer well yeah yeah because they should have they should enjoy the beer first exactly the alcohol is, a, is a part of the character of the style exactly. but it doesn't need to be the driving force that's it same uh, as wine you know yeah, absolutely yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you guys. Like, when I first st- started drinking Unibrew beers, like, it was sort of revelatory back then because there was nothing like it. Um, and, you know, I remember using my website, Bartal, to, like, write about, here's beers that you should try, you being beer drinkers in Ontario, that are different and interesting because, yeah, most of the, the beers back then were cream ales and pale ales right. and brown ales and a lot of the classic... German and British style. So, but I wanted to ask you, like, you know, it's the longevity. I think is such a valuable thing for your brewery. And what do you what do you think has been part of what's sort of sustained your success? Because you know, you sort of, you know, not only a pioneer but still successful to this day. I think yeah, it's a testament sure. to what you've, what what you know, the quality of your beers and the vision of, of what you what you believe in. But I'm just wondering to get your take on on how you know through this changing landscape where there's hundreds of breweries opening up every month that, that you guys still uh, have the position that you've got? I think, uh, honestly, Cass, what stands ourselves apart there for the quality of our beers is we we are renowned for brewing the, the beer continuously with consistency. Mm-hmm. And in the world of craft, there are, as you, you know, thousands of offering and lots of new products that are seasonal products and they're brewed only once. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
to brew these beer the artisanal way that we do and maintaining uh, consistency is something that we've been renowned for. So mm -hmm. not only we've been winning what 287 medals so far in 24 years. Yeah. We are, we are. Excuse me. We are by far the most Canadian awarded brewery. Oh, yeah. With, with oh, 280, yeah, I think I would say probably the the second Canadian brewery with most awards doesn't have 50. Yeah. Uh, and and a lot of people were afraid when Sleeman bought Unibrew or when Sapporo bought Sleeman and Unibrew, they thought that it, those big guys will crap the, the, the quality of our beer. It's totally the opposite. We won more awards since Sleeman mm -hmm. is in than we won before. Because they, they, they because found out they that invested. we're doing... Yeah, yeah they invested in, in, in the... In the tools and device yeah. to be more efficient mm -hmm. with the, that quality well, of beer. I mean, that's that's what we're seeing nowadays with the likes of Goose Island in the U.S., where the quality of the beers, many many circles are considered to have gotten better. Yeah, exactly. Since, since the acquisition, and it hasn't harmed the beers at all. In fact, it's made them it's made them stronger. Yeah, exactly. It's a pride. Consistent. It's a pride for exactly. them, and it, Unibrew is a jewel. So, the, the, yeah, rather than trying to play around that, they said, why, why don't we look what we can do to improve your condition? Because I won't lie on that. You know, before we were bought by Sleeman, especially Sapporo, you know, after mm -hmm. 2006, we didn't have the same budget to invest in capital expenditure. So we've been investing 2 to $3 million a year only in capital expenditure since 2006, regularly all the time and the main focus is on quality micro uh, issues so we used to have micro issue at the unibrew days mm -hmm. that and you know for us quality there's no compromise so back in these days i remember in the hot summer days we had to dump uh, <laughs> so big many, amount yeah, of blanche you know, yeah, blanche is a very, oh, yeah. it's a very sensitive, sensitive liquid no yeah. no bitterness no alcohol no uh, flavor yeah and lots of nutrients for the bugs to grow in yeah. there so with we were dumping at certain time half the amount of kegs that we were producing because mm -hmm. of micro issues but we've been investing and fixing all these issues so we we also mm -hmm. at the same time increased our capacity by dumping less liquid yeah. so uh, it's a good point at the end and I think to come back to your question I, the consistency and people they like to taste all kinds of new products but the reference they like they're proud to say they're proud to say you know we have a phenomenon I have this in my in my fridge that beer always stays the same since 94 I've been drinking exactly. and it's always the same experience so mm -hmm. we, we really want to offer the customer the same experience, uh, the same experience time after time. Yeah. yeah. If I can, uh, sure. also there's uh, there's a lot of new products by all those crafts, um, so it's a bit difficult to stay uh, the head out of the water and say, hey guys, we're still here. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, all the old beer geeks or beer fans, uh, as you got you yeah. uh, when you first, there was nothing on on the shelves back at the end of the nineties. And we, we start to export out of Quebec in 96, in Ontario. So the first wave of new beer fan, when they discovered beer with flavor, it was probably Mozart, Feinsmond, and Blanche de Chambly. Yeah, so for right. 25 years, almost 25 years, this first, second, and I can say third generation of beer fans, sometimes when they want to go back on a sure value, they say, oh yeah, there's that grandpa... Uh, I don't on put not grandfather beer, but I mean it's the first wave of craft breweries. Yeah, the pioneers, the yeah, pioneers yeah. are still there and wow, yeah. what an sure value. 
So uh, it, it's still there and still we're still doing good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there constant. there are pros and cons pros and cons on that because you know recently, <clears throat> lately I remember I met one guy and we were talking. Oh yeah, uni brew. Oh really, the brewmaster and you know as uh, my my son and his son is playing are playing together. This guy is a big fan of craft beer, so we're talking about craft beers and. All he knew from Unibrew was the, were these brands, and he didn't know that much about the new stuff like the 17 Grand Reserve, now the mm-hmm. Resolution, and all these beers. And he discovered that. He came back to me, wow, that's that's really good. Wow, I didn't know that you... He didn't know about the new product. So mm-hmm. the references are so strong because we keep winning medals year after year for those as well. And everybody's talking about La Fin du Monde, but it puts some of the liquid in the shade at the same time. Mm-hmm. So there are pros and cons. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I've, uh, you know, the awards are, I, I always remember, you know, following you guys back in the early days and seeing the, you know, the World Beer Championship Awards and to this day still yeah. happening. And I've always World, wanted, World Beer Cup. World Beer Cup, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always thought, you know, if I, if I ever launched the Golden Tap Awards in Quebec, which I'd love to do, I'm sure you guys would have a few more awards in the, in the war chest. So, um, <laughs> Let's talk about some of the beers. So yeah. you guys are in town yep. because uh, we're sitting, for those who are listening, um, at a table with what would normally be considered a large size bottle of beer, but they're next to two very large size <laughs> bottles of beer, which are the Fandemond and the Grand Reserve 17, which are in Matusalem. S- yeah, six, six liter liters, bottles. Yeah, yeah. Matusalem. So, yeah. uh, Clearly another unique proposition for Munibrew. So why don't we, do you guys want to talk a little bit about the launch and uh, sort of the uniqueness of, uh, of the product in these uh, formats? Of course, yeah. Last year, uh, we came here, same place, uh, LCBO in Summer Hill. We had a very limited amount of uh, faint amount, six liter bottles. So this was the only one that, we'll, uh, that we were releasing back then, 50 bottles only. We, we sold, sold all these bottles 35 in less than minutes. an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we said, okay, you know, we talk about these bottles are generating such excitement, and we have like the 17 Grand Reserve that won also multiple awards, uh, platinum, multiple platinum medals, also awarded best in the world, saying that as Fain de Mon is in its own style. So we said, why not doing that with the 17 Grand Reserve? Uh, so the, for the first time, we released the 17 Grand Reserve. So again, a very limited amount, 50 bottles for Ontario of each mm-hmm. of these uh, these brands. So we're here for the specific events and mm-hmm. other events organized around that. Um, so uh, yeah, these these beers are, you know, uh, obviously something that uh, really people are excited about and they want yeah. to uh, they want to have. We also brought some special liquid, the, our very last summer release, the uh, Pear Ephemera. Okay. Everybody's know, everybody knows about the uh, Apple Ephemera because it was made a regular brand back in 2006, but that one, there's always another Ephemera that is relating with the uh, Apple Ephemera. So that's the first one we're going to be tasting. Sure. So then um, you can open. Motel okay. <laughs> While uh, you're opening the, the first bottle, uh, if Talking about that that big bottle, Matusalem, uh, usually the, the the liquid that will be in that kind of bottle will be champagne. Mm-hmm. That's the the bottle usually. Those bottles are usually used for champagne, and I think it's a nice way to to say once again to our consumers that Unibrew is doing a natural carbonation in the bottle, which is a champagne method. We can hear that, huh? Yeah, right. (laughs) Champagne cork. Yeah. And uh, so it's a nice way to say, hey, guys, uh, our beer are uh, living in the bottle. They are 
naturally carbonated as champagne, and that big seven uh, six liters bottle is there to remind it. Well, and it, I think it's just an experience in and of itself. I remember getting, I think, a three liter in Quebec, yep. and I had it at a New Year's party a whole bunch of years ago, and we had to we had to pour it like this, and it was. Uh, Everybody, once once that came out, everybody circled around. And they still remember. A lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah you're, you're totally right. And what's fun with Unibrew, we like to say, how can you we, we create a new experience for the drinker? So uh, we've been the first one to put on trade Belgium beer. Uh, in Quebec, the first time that a brewery said, you know what? Each beer deserves a different glassware. It was Unibrew mm -hmm. because that's from the Belgian tradition. So uh, we introduced glassware. We, I, I think we introduced the first ever beer cocktail in 1997 with uh, Blanche Mimosa. Yeah. Uh, so we like to, to say, and we had our own restaurant called Fourquet Fourchette, yeah, uh, where mm -hmm. everything is cooked with beer, a, 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 a bit like um, Beer Bistro sure. downtown, but mm -hmm. we own that restaurant. Uh, so how can we put the experience further for the consumers? And I think, as you said, if you can open uh, that kind of bottle, six liters, and you will remember forever because mm -hmm. it's such a nice experience. It's the happening around that. You know? yeah. I made, we, we both do multiple events and I remember being op open because we did, this is the first time these bottles are available on the market for the customers, but we've been using those as uh, promo items for uh, VIP clients sure. and and over the years, you know, I remember been opening bottles like this at very massive <laughs> event, and everybody is like going crazy. Oh you know, yeah, it's always a big it's always a big party when we open such a bottle. So very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, first oh, beer, yeah, first beer. Yeah. So the uh, the pair FMR wanted to do there. You know, everybody's talking about cider now, and it becomes such a trend and. Now people start to talk also about the pear cider, so I wanted to uh, integrate the uh, the pear in a beer, which is not an easy fruit to work with. Um, it's nice with a wheat beer because you already have the citrusy flavor in there. So the the fruity uh, notes from the pear is a really good complement there with the. Mm -hmm. Very good with uh, cheeses or caramel desserts. Mm -hmm. Pear isn't a common fruit seen mm -hmm. in many beers. It's the, quite I think one of the reasons is um, it's very, very tough to be able to have a pear flavor at the end. There's no popsicle with pear. Mm -hmm. There's no candy with pear. Yeah. Because it, it's a tough fruit to work with. Yeah. So I think Jerry did an amazing job being able to it's have... It's very subtle. It is subtle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is balanced. But it's still there. The flavor's still know? there. Yes. Right. Comes exactly. through. And yeah, it's all about uh, sub subtlety. Subtlety, yeah. Subtlety, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as something really interesting uh, with the Unibrew products is we're talking about balance all the time. The new trend in, in craft is oh, you like hop? I'll give you some. Extreme. Extreme. You like it? Uh, strong alcohol? Here's my uh, triple imperial mm -hmm. something. Uh, at Unibrew, Jerry always worked to make sure that it is balanced. So in there, you have the fruit, you have the wheat, everything is there, and nothing is up front exactly. in your face. Nothing over the top, it's just very well balanced. Yeah. I wanted to ask um, about um, the, way you, the way you worked on new products and how new products were developed, because you know, with Blanche Jambly, Maudit, Fin du Monde, um, classics. But, of course, innovation was what drove the brewery in the first place. You support the core brands, for exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how, um, how do you go about thinking about new products what's the what's the strategy to sort of think about what's next and how that 
comes to life? That's a very good question. Honestly, um, you know, we reached the maximum capacity at the brewery back in 2007. So it good became total. Yeah, it's a it's <laughs> yes a and no. Yes, <laughs> and, no. yes <laughs> and no. You know, especially at a time you know over the past ten years that we've been yeah that we've been uh, going through the um, the blooming of all the craft breweries. Uh, we cannot release new product every month. You oh, know? Sure. Uh, I'm not going to lie on that, but mm. when we release something, we want to have a big winner. It, it's got to be a home run, mm-hmm. you know. And also, we've been renowned to be innovative, and, you know, uh, Sylvain mentioned the first uh, bottle fermented wheat ale in America, mm-hmm. first smoked. strong ale, first yeah. smoked ale. Hot, hot for, beer. Hot yeah, beer. Exactly. Shows. So, shows. Yeah. so we want to uh, maintain this uh, over what we're doing. Um, we installed a, uh, a uh, pilot brew house at our uh, head office in Guelph. Uh, and it's brand new. So this will allow me to play a little bit more because what happened in 2008, some of our core brands uh, suffered because we we wanted to keep maintaining this rate of developing new beers, but at the same time we're generating back orders in our core brand, which we we don't want to do. So, Mm -hmm. And over the time also we stopped uh, distributing. We used to export in 20 countries across the world in all continents everywhere worldwide. And we had to stop exporting in all these countries over the time to concentrate on North American market. Mm -hmm. So good problem to have, but there are very, very nice things going on with the uh, Pilot Brew House. I will be able to experiment. I have lots of ingredients that have never been used in beer that I want to experiment with. Mm -hmm. And lots of uh, very interesting uh, things are on the way because of that. Good to hear. you mentioned uh, that you uh, exported a lot, and now it's it's scaled back a little bit. But um, in North America, where have you seen the the best reception? Like who has who outside of Quebec? Because I know that's your home. Has really yeah. embraced beer? Because I remember seeing Unibrew in the states years yeah. and years ago. I, I forty five states. Yeah, forty six yeah. states. Yeah, forty five plus uh, DC. Yeah, it's not a state, but you know. Um, I, I spend a lot of time, basically every month I spend some time in a different state in the mm-hmm. United States. And um, I will say our biggest market is by far California. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sell just as much Unibrew in California than we sell in Quebec. Uh, then the second biggest market is all the, the area of Chicago, around the yeah. Chicago area. It's a very big market. Yeah. And then it's Should shared between uh, Florida and Texas. They're both mm-hmm. about even. And then Philadelphia. it's Philadelphia, New York, New and all this area. So it's pretty much everywhere. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there are specific markets that the craft beers, and we, since we are pioneers, like I've been at the Philly Beer Week uh, yeah. since the beginning. I've Great. been at uh, some other events in Texas since they started these events. And it's always a really good reception, and people are mm-hmm. always very excited about mm-hmm. the, about Unibrew. So it's... Uh, Pretty much everywhere, yeah. but uh, there are only yeah, five five states where we're not distributed. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yes, but by Even far Alaska and Hawaii. Well, that yeah, are. California is probably oh, our, yeah, biggest, it's our market. biggest market yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now we've got a classic. This oh is yeah, one of the original. Oh, so, yeah. uh, the end of the world. <laughs> the end of the world. So you want to just. T- Talk a little bit about this this guy. Yeah, um, yeah the la, la fin du monde is uh, Blanche de Chambly is our best-selling beer all across Canada, but our flagship is by far. 
à la fin du monde. It's our best-selling beer in the United States. Yeah, in the States, mm -hmm. it's the one that if you find just one Unibrew, it will be la fin du monde. Um, multiple time uh, gold award, World Beer Cup, uh, the Olympics of beer, uh, World Beer Championship in Chicago. I think it's like 12 or 13 platinum. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, 40, 43 medals only this beer, 13 platinum medals. That's the only beer I know that won yeah. 13, 13 platinum medals. Uh, this year at the uh, World Beer Award in London, um, La Fin du Monde won the world's best Belgium triple. So, uh, yeah, that beer is, as we said earlier, it is so balanced. Everything is in, that, in the beer. Uh, the smell, the, the, the aromas are uh, French baguette, the inside mm -hmm. bread. You have all that yeast uh, aromas coming out. A bit of the, what, pepper, peppercorn, Yeah, peppery spicy. notes. Even if we don't put pepper in there, you know, you have like, the Our yeast, yeast will express really itself like this, yeah. A lot of fennels from the yeast also. and Lots of and, fruits as well, yeah. Yeah, ripe peaches. Mm -hmm. Some pear notes as well. Mm -hmm. Let's say. And when you when you drink that beer, uh, it, it, I like to say it's like a big 747 airplane flying. It's so heavy, but it, it's flying. It's Why? Still up there. It yeah. is so balanced. Mm -hmm. it, it, everything is in the beer. Yeah, and, smooth, yeah. and when you just uh, swirl the, the liquid in your mouth, the carbonation from the uh, champagne method just explode in your mouth and create that creamy, nice uh, body. And, and it's a lively carbonation, and it's so creamy from, from the uh, yeah, And the it bubbles. evolves also through the tasting. You know, the first aromas that came out this time was more on the spicy and the breadish, you know, notes that uh, you have from the yeast. But you keep tasting, and it opens, and now I got some pineapple notes yeah. as well. Tropical. It's a tropical notes. It's very interesting to see how the beer evolves over the tasting as it breathes. Mm -hmm. Something interesting about our products, uh, um, when I meet new drinkers, I like to call them almost kids, you know, mm -hmm. they're like 20, 24, 25 yeah. years old, and they're, they are born in craft, and they think the only way to have flavor is about hops, you know, hop, mm -hmm. hop, hop, and they, they, they're searching for more um, bitterness all the time, and I just show them La Fin du Monde, and I say, is there any flavor in that beer? They go, oh my God. Tastes so good. There's, it's plenty flavored, it, oh, yeah. but IBU Doesn't 18. Doesn't need to be a hot bomb. That's yeah. it. It's not a hot bomb. It's only 18 uh, IBU, and it tastes so well. There's a lot of flavor and complexity in that beer, much more than in most of IPA, mm -hmm. which is usually only one way. Because you yeah, know, to me, single yeah. profile in a beer. Yeah, like that's that. it. You know, to me, when I, you know, it's like I don't know if you like to cook. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when I design a beer, it's pretty much the same when I'm in the kitchen at home. When you design a plate or you're inviting people, you want to have something well-balanced, so you play with different spices and herbs, and you want the magic to happen in your meal, so the guests will be very happy when they leave. It's pretty much the same, just at a larger scale when mm -hmm. you brew beer, you know? Beer has been the first piece of food to be cooked at Absolutely. the end. So. It's, uh, it's always interesting because what, it's also a different thing. It's using multiple ingredients rather than just the standard water, barley, mm -hmm. hops that are used in the beer. It's nice to play with all these ingredients. And it's really not linear mm -hmm. when you work with that. And also with the refermentation in the bottle, sometimes, you know, I do have amount of that and then I say okay that's perfect before the refermentation but after refermentation it's all gone it's what happened there and it's all just transformed in something else and it's not very interesting so 
adds more time to develop mm -hmm. new liquid as well with the refermentation. Well, it's not just an exact formula with these kind of exactly. beers. You know, they evolve in the, with the ingredients and the refermentation. Like it's, it's a different kind of different kind of beer. Different yeah, the beer of, is alive. So you, yeah. the, the beer is not frozen. You know, most of the breweries when they, they have bright beer tanks, mm -hmm. the tank that is connected to the filler, the keg racker, they can freeze the liquid there and say, okay, that's that's it. You know, it's going to taste this in the bottle and in the keg. We can't, unfortunately, we can't do that with our bottles. So Something interesting, uh, we're probably the only brewery in Canada or maybe keg, in, yeah. new, in, in North America. Each of our beer is a bottle conditioned, but each of our keg yeah, is refermented. Mm -hmm. When you're buying Blanche de Chambly on tap, when you're buying La Fin du Monde on tap, it's an refermented. The same thing. It's yeah. exactly the same thing. Even when you're buying an Chimay, Delirium Tremens, or an, uh, an Duvel, bottles, okay, they're bottle conditioned, but when you buy those from tap, they're not. Mm -hmm. They're unfiltered, but they add this CO2 in it, not with our beers. And same. no, but no, I, I think there's not another brewery is doing it. Yeah. All From scratch, most of the brewery even uh, claiming that you bottle fermentation, they, they force carbonate to a certain level, at least if something is going wrong afterwards, at least they can still sell the beer. Mm -hmm. We really start from scratch, so the beer is really flat when we start. You know, uh, it's way more work and uh, Well, that's why most of brewers doesn't do it. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. But at the end, I think when you taste the result, really worth the effort there, mm -hmm. obviously. Yeah. So we can guarantee that most of the time when you taste, when you like your Blanche de Chambly from the bottle, take it from the tap, it would be quite the same. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not the same carbonation. It would carbonation. be a bit different. It, yes, because that. it's not the same uh, yeah, PPM. Yeah, the point but is, you, you cannot, you can, our beers are halfway between, and that's an interesting point. Our beers are halfway between beer and champagne as far as carbonation. Mm -hmm. So they're higher. You, you heard the pop that when we opened the first bottle there, it's really effervescent. It's very, the fizz is very higher than a regular beer. But in the keg, we cannot achieve that. So we have to uh, add less sugar for refermentation. So the beer will be less carbonated, but less carbonated is carbonic acid. So they, they, you counterbalance the acidity there, it's a bit lower. So the profile, if you taste from the keg or the bottle, will always be a bit different. And even the ABV is a bit lower. It's always mm -hmm. 0.2 to 0.3 lower yeah. because you had less sugar, so less alcohol will develop over time, less CO2. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I th we've got one more beer I think yep. we're gonna mm -hmm. try here. Do you guys, do you wanna talk about this one as we get into it? Yeah, this sure. is one of the more recent additions to the portfolio, relatively speaking, to some of the, yeah. the other We've classics. been coming out with another one, also La Resolution, that is uh, a Christmas ale uh, last year, and we re-release again this year. But the 17th uh, Grand Reserve, um, we released a 17th anniversary uh, beer, only an exclusive uh, brew back in 2007. Mm -hmm. But the beer won uh, so many awards. The first year won two gold medals and then three platinum medals three years in a row. So, um, with and finally culminate, culminating in uh, being awarded the best beer in the world after three years of aging at the prestigious uh, World Beer Awards in London, UK. 2010. Mm -hmm. 2010. So, uh, we were forced, we cannot let this liquid die. So, no. we had to bring it back on the shelf. So, in 2011, uh, we brought back a 20th uh, anniversary. Yeah. 
So uh, that's when we decided to bring back the liquid and make, made it a vintage gel. So every mm -hmm. year, brew one batch, so 2011, 2012. So beer geeks and beer lovers, mm -hmm. uh, beer connoisseurs can do like vertical tasting with that and see how the mm -hmm. beer evolves through aging as well. And that's it's a, a, it's a, sorry, it's a, it's a wood aged beer too. Yeah, that's, it's, that's it's, unique for your portfolio. Yeah, probably. exactly. Mm -hmm. It's the first time we're playing with that. You know, I I came from the cider industry mm -hmm. and then the wine industry, so I already played with that. I wanted to uh, perpetrate that. At those years, I remember I had a lot of pressure from the market. People wanted me to produce a beer uh, barrel age, like bourbon barrel yeah. or something like that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something different. And uh, nowadays, you see much more of these only pure oak age beer coming out on the market. So it's interesting to see that. Once again, like people uh, follow the trend there, but just to have like some roasted notes mm -hmm. from the oak and some vanilla undertones, they're very well balanced through the other flavors, a fruity flavor and the spicy flavor in this liquid. Very interesting. Um, just this beer though came with a bunch of challenges because when I brewed that, we didn't do at that time lots of research and development and I told you we didn't have a pilot brew house. Right. So. Uh, it came with a bunch of problems, and when they asked me to brew that again, I said, for sure, I, I, yeah, I could. Yeah, I can, I can. But I had to rework some of the aspects yeah. of the process, <laughs> yeah. too. So that was challenging because, mm -hmm. again, as consistency, you want to offer the same experience, but you want to... Uh, you want to make this project viable and feasible for the brewery as well. So that was a good challenge, mm -hmm. and that's a, a good good success. You know, and Cass, Jerry is really humble because he won't say, but that beer, uh, when we release it, he said won many awards and 2010 World's Best Beer uh, in London. It was his first brew at Unibrew. It was his first mm. recipe oh, wow. that he created from scratch. Yeah. And that good guy, start. that guy brewed a beer, and his first beer was proclaimed the world's best beer. So, yeah, congratulations. That's a pretty high bar to set for yourself, right? <laughs> and you know what? We, I also brought a uh, special uh, surprise uh, for you here today, Cass. I can show you the bottle. You know, I told you that's yes, in 2011 cool. that we, uh, we brewed the uh, 2011, mm -hmm. uh, the first batch. What I did back then, I saved a uh, very limited amount aside of this 2011 first release of the 17 Grand Reserve. And put it there, I oh, wow. put some cherries in there because I was working on another beer, uh, the Cherry Ephemera back then. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to assess the, uh, the balance between different types of cherries, some red tart cherries, some dark sweet cherries. So I used the 17 Grand Reserve 2011 to, uh, to achieve that. And by the way, it's the, the first, first batch of Grand Reserve. First batch of Grand Reserve. Only 55 cases I produced back in 2011. Wow. I've been using over all these years at uh, special, special events, very few bottles like this. So that one is for you. Oh, well, thank you, guys. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, the chair, I mean, I, like, I remember the Coke shows and uh, being fond, fond That mythical right. beer. It's very mythical different, beer. though. It's a myth. Like, because <laughs> that one, you know, you, no, I know it's you have extent, the profile yeah. You have the profile of that beer, so you can have a good idea of the red tart cherries mm -hmm. there. Give just a little fruity and tart kick that is very interesting, you know, that you don't find in the regular mm -hmm. 17 Grand Reserves. Well, it, uh, you guys might not believe this. I still have a bottle of it at home. 
Way. And so next time we're drinking, I should I'll bring that and we can try that out. See what it tastes like nowadays. Oh wow! Because it's which just one? The which which, yeah, which shows? Oh, Kelka shows. But yeah. which? Do you remember which uh, which year? Which year? Which, yeah. Is it the half liter? No, bottle? it was the full seven fifty foil wrap. Not the foil. Oh, with foil. Fo- with foil. Oh, this oh, is boy, at okay. least that's ninety six or yeah. two thousand. Yeah. 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 I remember buying a case of that in Quebec, and I still have one left. It's in the back of my cellar. I'm not sure what to do with it now. It's Keep it. Yeah. <laughs> Make I sure you open it with good that, friends. Not yeah. that much, still, but it's, still it's always the, 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 old, the little uh, mug too. That oh, sure. So, uh, I, j- I have. Uh, I drank. I would say maybe two years ago uh, a bottle from that batch, 2000, mm. with the foil uh, paper on it, and that beer almost didn't change uh, a, a bit. I mean, no, no. it is. It is probably from our portfolio. I, I would say from Canada, the beer that. Uh, stays the same for the longest time. Mm-hmm. But when you do vertical tasting, you can see the uh, the little fluctuation between these. Uh, you know, the the aging gives more um, madurization notes, but mm-hmm. not at a point that you will get with any other beer. You yeah. know, so it's very very interesting. I still have some of these bottles. Last mm-hmm. time I opened, probably three years ago, with my brewers, that was still very good. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, it won't be a, it won't be a waste if you open it. For no, sure. of course not. <laughs> and the last batch have been brewed in two thousand nine. Okay, yeah. nice. Well, guys, I mean, I gotta say it's been a great uh, honor meeting meeting with both of you. The the love and history I've had with Unibrew over the years, and obviously having some sharing some beers, especially this early in the morning, is quite a treat for the day. <laughs> it's our bowl of uh, cereal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. didn't have any breakfast, so this will do just fine. So, <laughs> there we uh, go. So thanks for, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for chatting today. Thanks again for the beer. Um, and it was really great to meet you both. Pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. Thanks.